women all over this room that can connect with that lady. Your story might look a little different. Maybe a lot different. You walked into the service today and you're hurting on the inside. There's this wound from your past that every so often it gets bumped. Someone says something, you watch something, and all of a sudden these emotions surface up through your body and realize there's damage down here. So for many in this room, you've handled it in a variety of ways. One, you keep pushing it back. I could never tell anybody what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. I have to push it down because if they find out about my past, then they won't receive me. For others of you, this wound surfaces and it plays out and manifests itself in a variety of ways. Insecurity, a dominant personality, a need to do better, to earn more, a need to have a guy by your side, a need to control, a need to emote anger, and you carry it right out front of you. And any man that gets within your distance, you let him know. So in this room and in the link and all across the world on the internet are women that are doing a variety of things. One, they're pretending nothing's there. Push it down. Others, you bring it right out front and it manifests itself in a variety of ways. All of you ladies have been hurt in your past. Every single one of you. And everywhere you look, there's pictures of women just like what we just observed in that video. Who have been wounded by their own sin choices or the sinful choice of others. Many of you believe that part of you is marred, if not all of you is marred. And so you could never be the person that Christ wants you to be. And so when you hear messages like this, right away your default system is, yeah, 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 stuff, stuff it. And for some of you, you'll leave this room and have the potential to be a different person than you was when you walked in. And I pray that the words that I'm echoing to you today and you'll hear spoken through the word of God today will dig deep into the soul, into the psyche of your mind and your emotion And the Spirit of God will bring it to recall this week. And you will live victoriously. But if you don't, shame sets in. You hide yourself, believing you really don't have what it takes to be like her. Or like that couple. Or like that woman. All the while thinking that you don't have what it takes to be a woman fully alive in Jesus Christ. I have good news for you today. God is the master of restoration. Taking women who think they're beyond hope and bringing them back to life. I love watching it. I love watching women who receive it and believe it and don't believe the lies of the enemy who allow it to play in their lives. And I watch this different woman who walks into a room and leaves differently because of Jesus Christ and the world and those around her say, wow, what happened to her? 
first though. In order for a daughter's healing to take place, a variety of things have to happen. Ladies, I'm really going to ask you today to let the Spirit of God prompt, prod, prick, convince, convict you today. Ask him, even now in your own heart, Spirit, I receive these truths today by your word, and I'm going to walk in this truth so that I can be all that you've made me to be. But in order to do that, it won't be easy. I'm not pretending what I'm about to give you today is easy. But I will tell you this. If you walk through this with God as your defender, with God as your guide, with God as your rock, and God as your redeemer, you could leave this room being the person that Christ intended you to be. But first, you must recognize this. You've been wounded. Some of you don't like to admit that. It's like that's a, that's, that shows a weakness. I mean, I have a wound. It's like, I don't want to tell people why I've been wounded. Listen, the majority, if not every single person in this room, based upon their age, has been wounded. You've been hurt. There's, there's stuff in your past that, that has scarred you. And some of you are still carrying it right out front. And some of you need to let it out. And others of you need to go back and revisit because you haven't dealt with it in a godly way. But you have been wounded. In the Bible, there's this story, true story of a lady who was wounded. And she found herself making a decision. Will I deal with this wound and find freedom? Or will I live the rest of my life way below the person that Christ intended me to live? Will I walk through this pain? Will I reveal myself? Will I find victory? And you know what? Watch what this lady does. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. I want you to look at verse 36 of Luke chapter 7. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. Luke chapter 7 and verses 36. By the way, again, if you have a Bible at home, bring it with you. And if you need this Bible, take it home with you. Bring it back next week. It's, your, it's a gift from us. Luke chapter 7 and verses 36 Through 39, we'll read first. Turn there with me. When you find it, stand. We're going to read it together. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 39. Let's read this together. Ready? Read. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him. And what kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner. You may have a seat. We walk into and jump into the middle of this time in Jesus' life. He's invited to this dinner. And while he's at this dinner, there's this woman who walks into this dinner, uninvited, breaks the custom of the day, and decides that she's going to take and, and go into the presence of Jesus, takes this alabaster jar pours this oil on his head and perfume on his feet and begins to wipe the body of Jesus Christ. She goes all in. 
This woman who was wounded decides that she does not want to remain in the condition she's been in for many years. She carried big time wounds, we're going to see her in a few seconds, and she didn't want to carry them any longer. Stop and picture this for a second, a moment. This was a courageous move for a woman. Jesus was invited to a house. She moves into the house, walks in while he's eating supper with this Pharisee who were the judges of the judges, who were known for calling people out, calling their sins out, who, who would take time and stop in the middle of wherever they're at and say, there's a sinner, look at that person. And she walks into the middle of this potential judgment from all of these Pharisees because she knew she must get to Jesus Christ. Walks in takes this oil from this alabaster jar and perfume and puts it on the Savior himself. She's willing to risk condemnation from the Pharisees because she wanted freedom. And she said, I will not any longer live in this condition that I'm in. She was determined to live a new life. Listen to me today. If you hear nothing else from this message, let this just rattle in your brain today. This afternoon, tonight, tomorrow morning. You do not have to live a defeated and secure life any longer, women. You don't have to. You can choose to. You can leave here and go out in your vehicle and go wherever you go and say, well, I I like living a defeated and secure life. Let's have some more of this. You have the choice to change the direction of your life. You do not have to let your past define your present or your future. Every one of you has been wounded from something or someone in the past. Some of you have, been, have confronted your wound while others have never dealt with it. And, and you spent your life covering up this pain. And every once in a while you get bumped there. Oh, there's a reminder. Oh, boom. Oh, I get reminded. Instead of dealing with this wound, you let it surface. You bandage it. You put band-aids on it. And every once in a while where you've been hurt, you get kicked again and it hurts. Instead of dealing with it and saying, I'm moving on, the rest of your life, you're reminded daily of this wound in your past. I see it all the time. And it comes upon you because you haven't dealt with it. You're reminded of it often. And others are reminded that she's wounded. And anybody who comes into your path, you know there's something in her past. And you just happen to be in the firestorm of her anger. Where does this wound come from? I see it all the time. It comes in a variety of ways for you comes from passive fathers who refuse to man up and love their daughters who were absent in their past. And some of you, when I speak this, you're saying, that's me. My dad, he, he, he provided. That's what he did. He provided. He provided, but he was never there. He's passive. And just walk into the room and you get covered with a newspaper of life. You want attention. And dads, listen to me. Fathers, listen to me today. You need to be the man that teaches. You need to be the man that shows her what a man of God is by living it in front of her and with her. You need to teach her what a man is and how he should love her and care for her. And you need to put down whatever you're doing and stand and say, this is how a man loves a woman and your daughters are screaming for it. So the girl spends her entire childhood trying to gain the attention of a passive father and never gets it 
And for a while, she's okay. It's like she has these friends that she can run to, and it, you don't see the, the manifestations of that and, because she's little. And then she gets to junior high, and all of a sudden, this guy comes along and shows her attention. It's like, what's she doing with him, and why is she running there? Because she didn't get the attention. She'll run to someone to get the attention. And the first guy that appears, she runs to him. Then she continues this brutal attack on her psyche with other men and sometimes other women. This wound also comes from mothers. Many a good mother makes the mistake of believing her daughter is a reflection of herself. I am telling you, ladies, listen to me. Moms, listen to me. What your daughter does and does not do right is not a reflection of you permanently. Some of you are like, oh, my daughter did this. That means I did this. Oh, my daughter did that. I'm so happy she did that. Listen, if your child makes poor decisions and you've given them the tools to make the right decision, it's not a reflection upon you. It's their decision. And I have ladies in this room, in this building, in this church that are living their lives defeated because a child, a daughter, has run down a a, a poor path and they think, people look at them and think, that's a poor reflection of me. Listen, that child will stand before God and answer on the own and so will you and if you choose to be wounded by what she's doing you must overcome that women listen that's one of your greatest weaknesses you live through your daughters good or bad your daughter achieves this and you think look at me well people see me in public my daughter did this my daughter did that and so you feel better about yourself Listen, you must answer for yourself. Many a good mother makes the mistake of believing her daughter's reflection of herself. And somehow, if she makes poor decisions, it's a black mark on her as a mom or as a woman. And so she lets these poor decisions of her daughter define her. Listen to me, moms. Don't do it any longer. Sometimes she's dumbfounded deeply wounded when her little girl makes these choices that she gave her an opportunity to do opposite and she thinks, what will people think of me? I'll tell you what they'll think of you. They're going to pray for your daughter and love you. You see, you begin to believe the lies of the enemy. It says, people are going to think I'm a horrible mom. People are going to think I'm a horrible woman. No, they're not. And people who do think that, they need to repent. So the mother tries to set things straight. You know what happens? All of a sudden, this mother tries to control this daughter. She tries to control her in her 20s, in her 30s, in her 40s, in her teenage years. Well, this is when you should do this. This is when I did this. This is what's best. And so she goes on this journey of controlling all her decisions and trying to protect her and becoming this control freak with fear that if her daughter makes a bad decision when she's 19, 20, 21, 30, that somehow it would be a reflection upon her. Ladies, let your girls go. Because here's what happens. If you don't, you'll lose your daughter. She'll run as far away from you as she can possibly get. She'll run, she'll run, she'll run. She'll rebel. She'll just run from this control. Listen, moms, it's time to fess up and acknowledge that if you have lived far too long and found your identity in your daughters, good or bad, 
this woman here longed to be healed. Every woman does, but her insecurity makes her believe she does not deserve it for the majority of her life. So finally she woke up one day and says, I'm going for broke. I am not the version that God intended me to be. I am running into the Pharisee's house. I'm emptying my bank account. I'm buying the most expensive perfume and I'm asking Jesus for help and I'm going to be free. Don't women want to be free? And why do you let the wounds of your past define you? Why do you let your daughters define you? Listen, your identity is in the blood-bought Savior on the cross. These wounds come from a variety of places, from passive fathers, from mothers. I watch mothers control. They put their daughters in everything. They want them to be number one. So they can sit in the crowd and look, that's my daughter. And then they think, that's me. No, it isn't you. Comes from an old boyfriend, the wounds. Comes from an old confrontation with the dad. Comes from a sinful weekend. You're wounded. You made poor choices. You did something stupid. You know what? Christians do stupid things sometimes and sinful things sometimes. We're human. We can recover from that. It's called repentance and forgiveness. And God forgets as far as the east is from the west, but we don't, but he does. It comes from a season of rebellion that thwarts forward movement. It comes from a college night that you're not proud of. It comes when the enemy whispers, you are worthless. Remember when? You could never be part of that ministry team because if they ever found out when you were 16 years old and did something stupid, you couldn't be there. And so you begin to let the wounds of your past define your present and your future. Words like, you're not a real woman. You're not enough. You are just a flat-out disappointment to your mom and to your dad. So you live with that identity. And then the enemy says this, you do not deserve to be healed. You're wasting his time. He's going to move on to someone who deserves it. So you choose your companionship based upon those lies. I watch it happen often. I just, and it breaks my heart. I watch this girl who ends up connected to this guy that's a butt steak. And I think, what are you doing? I'm just serious about this. Because she thinks that's her identity. That's the man that showed her attention. That's as good as she could possibly. A guy who's not a spiritual leader. A guy who would never lead her. A guy who would never be a scout. A guy that she would never run to for spiritual advice. But he showed her attention. And there she is with him. And I want to say, listen, woman, Run! But you let the enemy convince you that this is as good as it can be. And some of you, you're in your 30s and 40s and 50s right now. And you're thinking, it's probably as good as it's going to be. It's, I might as well just coast into retirement, coast into rapture time. Listen, don't be that woman any longer. Be this woman and said, enough is enough. I determined to live a free life. I determined to be the woman that God created me to be. I'm not going to let anybody else define me. I am woman. I am bold and courageous because of the identity of Jesus Christ. That's what godly women do. But here's the problem. 
Some of you will clap and hear this. Tomorrow morning you'll wake up and that little voice will come and whisper, boy, did you hear about your daughter this week? She made a poor choice. Or remember when you did this the last time and you made that commitment and it lasts like seven days? This isn't going to last seven days. And you believe these whispers. And many of you think that you've given the enemy just too much material. Ladies are just good at that. Why you, Jim, Pastor Jim, I've just given the enemy too much material. He's got so much. He's got like books and libraries of stuff he can bring up against me. It's like, man, you don't know where I've been. I don't care where you've been. The Savior died for where you've been. And so we think, I've given him too much material. He's got too many books on me. I don't care if he has the Library of Congress on you. Jesus died for it, and you've been, you repent of it. You've been forgiven. Satan wants to render you unfit for service. And you know what? You're going to battle it again this week. Enough of this nonsense, please. By the way, you know what happens as a result of this? You have all these high-maintenance ladies. And it's like they're shtick and like they're proud of it. Yeah, I'm high-maintenance. I make my husband do this and that. And if he wants that, he's going to do these. So you're like high-maintenance. Like that's, that's your shtick. It's like, yeah, I'm a high-maintenance woman. And you get together with other high-maintenance women. What you do this week? Were you high-maintenance? Yeah, I'm good for like 30-day warranty with him. But after 30 days, maintenance kicks in. It's like some of you need like brake jobs every seven days. Some of you need transmission overhauls every 13 days. And you need a new engine. And somebody said, well, I want a Hemi if you're getting a new engine. It's like, and so you've made your husband the mechanic instead of your husband. Listen, your man is not supposed to be your mechanic. God is. And the best that many of you are willing to give, you hold out until you get something I tell you what, 90 days, that's it. Then I'm high maintenance until he feeds me. How about a lifetime warranty? How about a warranty that says, I'm committed to you until death parts us, and by God's grace, I'm going to be the woman that God wants me to be. There's going to be some lows. There's going to be some highs, but I'm in it for the run, the long run, the thick and the thin, and I might have some problems, but I refuse to be high maintenance. I will not be found on the list of lemon women. Some of you just kind of, you love that. It's like, yeah, I'm high maintenance. (laughs) Listen, that is not what a godly woman is supposed to be defined by, her list to the mechanic. All your maintenance requests that are eternal and significant go to your father God and not to your husband. Secondly, you got to realize this, that God the Father loves you. Oh, I wish I could just wave a magic wand over this, some ladies in this room in the link right now. You see, you don't understand what it means to be loved by a man or by a father. And I love what Jesus does for this woman because probably up to this point, she didn't need her. But she began to hear the reports that there was this man that was walking around and he had power and he spoke with authority and people flocked to him because of truth. And she hadn't heard truth in a long time. And she says, I got to get to Jesus. And so she goes after him. Look at Luke chapter 7. Look what she does. Look at verse 40. Jesus answered this Pharisee after he said, don't you know that she is a sinner? He said, Simon, I have something to tell you. 
Well, tell me, teacher. He said, two men owed a money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he did what with the debts? What's it say? Cancel those babies. And then he asked this question. Now, which of these will love him more? <laughs> we know that answer, don't we? Imagine going somewhere and you have a mortgage that's 120,000 left and this guy's been faithfully paying off and he's down to like the 29th year in the six months and they say, you owe $500 and the banker says, you're paid off and you're paid off. Who's going to run and hug him? Jesus is saying to him, don't you realize she understands what she's been saved from and, and forgiven from? Then it says this in verse 43, Simon replied, I suppose, you bet you suppose, I love this, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. Jesus said, you have judged correctly. Then he turned, now look at this, look what happens here, this this is important. He turned toward the woman and said to Simon, so here's the picture, he's talking to Simon, and so he moves his posture this way, looks at the woman and speaks this to her, but he's talking to Simon. In other words, he makes him look at her. He said, there's a woman in the room. You need to pay her attention. And then he says this. So do you see this woman? In other words, I know you haven't noticed other than she was a sinner and you just blew her off. That came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. I'm glad they changed that custom. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. Glad they changed that one too. Verse 46. You do not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, Simon, as he's looking at this woman, her many sins have been what? Forgiven. For she has loved what? Much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. I love this scene because the people were at the table too. Jesus was eating with them. She wasn't supposed to break custom and walk into this room. So the picture is he probably had to turn his feet sideways in the chair while he was eating his food. And it was obvious that there was this woman. I mean, you don't imagine going into Wendy's this afternoon. Some guy comes and laid dumps oil on your head. And Jesus just kind of just, and so all they saw was a sinful woman, but he takes time to address her and acknowledge her and point out who she really is. Look at the question that surfaces though with the Pharisees. Does this man know who he is touching? You bet he does. And do you know who he's touching today? He's touching sinful women who come to him. She is a sinner, in other words. Why are you wasting your time on her, Jesus? Hey, I gave you the filet mignon. Hey, isn't this more valuable than a sinful woman? Could she have anything worthy to give you? Oh, yes, she does, Jesus said. God the Father loves you just like every daddy is supposed to love his daughter. See, ladies, if you get this down and understand this, that there's a father God up there who calls you by name and he's your daddy and he loves you before you woke up this morning. He knows your past, he knows your present, he knows your future and his love hasn't changed one iota at all. No matter how low she gets, Jesus loves her. By the way, dads in this room, do you realize that 
our duty is to love our daughters unconditionally too? Let me say this. Many of you in this room have no idea of this kind of love here. You've never had a father love you that way. Maybe you've been abandoned. By the way, I'm sorry for that. Maybe you were left out all alone. Maybe you had an abusive father. Maybe you had a distant dad. I apologize on the behalf of men who just didn't do what Christ wanted them to do. But there's a father, God, that loves you way more than any man could ever love you, any daddy could ever love you. And it's Abba, Father. This woman was probably let down by men all her life, and she goes for broke. And now that defining moment has reached its pinnacle for her again. She risks everything, including her income, to just hear the words that someone believed in her. Let me tell you something, ladies in this room. I don't care what your background is. There's a God above that believes in you and has your back covered. And he promises never to leave you nor forsake you. Am I right, church? Father God, it's out there. This was her last chance. I'm sure if, if, if Christ didn't respond the way he always does, this woman would have probably taken her life. She wanted significance. She wanted to be noticed. Her love was as big as the sea of her sin. And God took that 55-gallon drum of sin and replaced it with his love. Jesus points out all the actions of love that she provided that no one else could see because of the scarlet letter on her chest. Her love was extravagant. Think about this. But no one noticed her love. All they saw, what's this sinful woman doing? They couldn't see past the sin of her past. Even if she did something intrinsically, incredibly good, all they saw was a sinful woman. There's no good that can come out of her. And Jesus brought it to light. Oh, yes, there is. This woman loves me. There are women in this room right today here in the main and link, and those who are watching on the internet who believe that it's impossible to ever gain the attention of, of God or ever to be forgiven of that baggage of junk that you keep checking in at the airport. You think it's just too bad, it's just too much. Man, I got a library, Pastor Jim. Listen to me. Christ can forgive you of all that. Your wounds, your bandages have blinded you from the truth, from seeing this today. Ladies, neither you nor God can gain anything good because of your insecurity. God can never use an insecure woman to her full redemptive potential until you know who you are in Jesus Christ. The only winner when you live in your insecurity is Satan. So do you want him to win? Listen, you know I'm a competitor. You know I like to win. And I will not let Satan win. That's the, that you want to talk about loser? When you let Satan win, that is the ultimate loss in my mind. Ladies, get out of the hospital. It's time to check out from your wounds. Every daughter in this room at some point or another and often for the rest of her life will view God through the lenses of her relationship with her own father. Let me speak to dads. The reason many daughters are wounded is because of your picture in her life of what a father is. So, if your father has been absent, 
absent God. If your father who lives a sin a life of, of, and just abandons her, she sees guys of God who abandon. If, you're, if you've been an abusive father, she sees God as an abusive God. If you rejected them, she thinks God is going to reject. If you've been harsh with them, she sees God as a harsh God. If you've been a slave driver, she sees a slave driver. If you've been a loving, caring provider, a tender warrior, and protector, and life giver, and encourager to her, that's how she sees God. Guys, God has given us incredible accountability in this. I know at the deepest part of your hearts, you want to be that father that is a life giver so that your daughter sees God, but many have failed. And so that's what she said. And someone says, hey, you want to come to church this Sunday? <laughs> Not all my life. Why would I go to church if, if God's that kind of God? Or it might be, you betcha. That view will determine the battle that you'll live with in your encounter with seeing God and even battling through your wound today. Dads, what picture have you painted? Proverbs 3.26 says it this way. Just listen to this. It says, the Lord is your security. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. Ladies, listen to me. You will never find this permanent security in a man. It's in God. Stop for a minute and consider the ramifications of this passage. God the Father is your security. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will do for you what your daddy could never do or never did. He promises to take care of his daughters. You do not have to do it alone any longer. And this woman said, I need to find that kind of God. In the same way in this context today, that God spoke on behalf of this woman, he speaks on your behalf to Satan every day. If God were to walk into this room and audibly speak today, he would look at women and say, you are valuable. I forgive you. I love you. I am your protector. He is saying to every daughter in this room today, quit covering up your wounds and go to the great physician and get healing. If some of you don't know how to do it as ladies, you would rather just wear your bandages. And so, you know what you do? You walk around, and your life is just littered, just, just littered with all kinds of, of bandages. It's just, I mean, you're like the Band-Aid mama. It's like, it's just, there it is. That's a picture of life, and you wear your wound right out front. It's kind of, it's your identity, and you have this Band-Aid on you, and you wear it. And it's like, and you want people to know, and there it is, your wound right out front. I've been wounded. You won't wound me. Stay away. And so you carry these band-aids. Instead of, instead of finding healing for your wound, you like your bandages. And so your, your wounds define you. And you have ace bandages all over you. It's like I've been wounded when I was 17. My daddy left me. It's like every day you get up and you put on your bandages to cover your wound. But you would dare not find healing to those wounds. I mean, you got all kinds of packages. You got... You got it, uh, Bacteria stuff, you got, you got gauze pads, you got tape, you got, I mean, you know what? Before you even meet a person, you say, hey, my name is Molly, what's your name? You replace your purse with the first aid kit. Hi, how are you doing? Listen to me, ladies. 
this does not define you. And so you walk through life. Instead of holding your purses, this is your purse. And you like it. Listen to me, ladies. Throw away your first aid kits. Take off your bandages. These do not define you. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. He can heal you. Why do you want to walk around with a first aid kit the rest of your lives? I don't understand it. Get rid of your band-aids. Jesus died for your past. Jesus tells this woman right here, in front of the Pharisees, she's been forgiven much. In other words, the library of books was big, but as big as that library is, she loves that much. Look what happens. Look what happens to her in verse 48. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are what? Forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, in other words, they started to murmur. Did he say she was forgiven? Doesn't he know her past? Didn't he know that last night she was down there? How can her sins be forgiven? They didn't want to speak too loudly, but they began that little murmur and giving that looks. Does he know who she is? Who is this who even forgives sins? Well, I'll tell you, it's Jesus Christ and he still does. Then Jesus said this to the woman, your faith has what? Saved you, go and what? I, I, I love this part because she came. I'll tell you, it took a lot of guts for this woman. She revealed herself. She jumped in and she, she risked everything. She emptied her bank account and she was just hoping beyond hope of what she heard about Jesus was true. Just like you're hoping that you hear it from me today, it's true. Let me tell you, the same way it was true for her, it's going to be true for you. She risked everything, and then and Jesus forgave her. And he says, go live in peace. Listen, women, those of you who are letting your wounds and your scars define you, and these insecurities are manifesting in your life, you're a control freak. You're, you're, you're alone. You're depressed. You're, you're, you're pushing people away. You're manipulating. Listen, you could walk out of here in peace. Don't you want peace? It's available as much as it was for this woman. Jesus didn't run out with her. Please hear me today. Quit. Let Satan bully you around with lies. There is victory coming soon for you. Settle this issue. Now, you have been forgiven much. Praise God. By the way, the central mission of Jesus' ministry was to ransom us from our sins and transgressions through his shed blood on the cross. That we might be forgiven. That's the central mission. That we might come home to the Father. But many of us stop there. We think, praise God I've been forgiven. Praise God I've been rescued. But there's more than that. He wants us to be radically healed, not just rescued. There's many in this room. You've been forgiven and you've been rescued. But listen, you haven't been healed. There's a lot of daughters in this room who have been forgiven and are saved, yet still are entangled in the woes of insecurity because they have not been healed of their wounds. Listen, there's a difference between rescue and there's a difference between healing. Seriously, if your daughters, guys, fathers, 
was in a car accident. Brutal car accident. And, and, and you called in the, the helicopter and she was airlifted out. And she was taken to the nearest hospital. And she was airlifted out and rescued from that car. And then, then, and then she was taken to the hospital. Would you be satisfied? Would that be enough if she spent the rest of her life in ICU and was never healed of it and just rescued? And some of you are that way. You've been rescued, but you want to spend the rest of your life in ICU playing doctor. Listen, if you take this step from forgiveness to healing, you can walk through your past. Can you imagine? I can't imagine my daughter Hannah. It's like, I'd be, praise God, you rescued her. And I stood at the, at, at, the, at the accident scene and I would go back there every day. She's been rescued. Praise God. She's been rescued. And meanwhile, she's dying on the vine in ICU. Do you think that would be enough for a father God? No, I'd be in that ICU getting the best doctor. I'd be in there getting the, the best, best help she could get, the best physician, the best therapy, whatever it took, because I want to see my daughter healed and God wants you to be healed too. Not just rescued. See what has happened though. We neglect Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. It says that God wants to heal your heart and set you free. We've only made it two-thirds of the way. We acknowledge, we receive, we've been forgiven. But you know, we don't get healed. You see, the enemy has seized upon your wounds and sins and wants to pin you down. But God the Father has come to heal your bleeding, wounded, broken, band-aided heart. But let me tell you something. It's going to be a painful process. It's not going to be easy. And so no, some of you will have to choose to walk through pain to make this happen. No one said it would be easy to be set free. If that was the case, we all sign up for it. But have you ever had a wound that you've stuck a Band-Aid on. It's like, you know, it was, it was a pretty significant wound. And as a kid, I watched this happen often with other kids. There was a wound, he had a cut. And so mom put a Band-Aid on it, patched up the wound. And so the kid never took the Band-Aid off. Went to the bathtub and took a bath. And she said, you gotta take the Band-Aid off so that, so that it can be healed. No, I like my Band-Aid. And so this kid wears this Band-Aid and this infection begins to set in because it won't take off the Band-Aid. And here's what happens. The longer you keep the Band-Aid on, the less the healing will take place. It protects it. It gives it a chance, but it's not complete healing. It's until you pull the Band-Aid off and let the air get to it. And then it dries and forms a scab. And then it's healed. But listen to me, some of you won't take the Band-Aid off because you're afraid to let God air dry it. You stop with the band-aid. I've been forgiven. And Jesus says, take off the band-aid. Let me air dry your pain, your suffering, your pain from the past. And listen, there will be scars because there's a scab that's there. But listen, it will no longer hurt when you hit there because you have been healed. Why is it that we like our band-aids? We like them. It's like, I got a band-aid and I want everyone to know that I've been hurt. So what? Most people alive have been hurt, but they've been healed and moved on. But it's going to take work. Just like it is, you have to expose the wound to find healing. 
You got to let it get air dried by God. And if you want healing today, ladies, listen to me. You got to expose the wound and quit hiding your past and quit thinking that you have to end life this way. And how do you do that? I'm going to walk you through some steps. Listen, ladies, listen to me. With God as your redeemer and with God as your healer, and if you turn to him through this process, he can bring healing. First, you've got to invite him in. Most don't handle their wounds well by themselves. Most don't want to go there. You must go back and give God the wound. You must go back and invite him and say, this is where it began. This is it. You must go back and face it and say, God, I invite you to heal my wound. You must give him permission to go to the dark spots that you hidden from everyone and ask him to heal you. Secondly, you must acknowledge your insecurities, ladies. Hear me. Name them. I am a control freak. My insecurity plays out by I overeat. My insecurity plays out I try to achieve. My insecurity plays out I want a man. My insecurity plays out I live through my daughter. My insecurity plays out with I am a manipulator. Name the insecurities and how they play out. I am bossy because of my insecurities. I am, I am an emotional wreck because of my insecurities. I am a control freak and everyone knows it. Thirdly, you must renounce any agreements that you've made with your wounds and the messages that came with them. The message that comes that often are like these. You are worthless because of this wound. No one likes you because of this wound. You are not smart enough to get healing because of this wound. And it goes on and on. You must renounce any agreements that Satan is trying to make with you that you've agreed upon at some point. Declare who you are in Jesus Christ. Born again, redeemed, follower, victorious warrior. Fourthly, you must let the tears out. Way too many of you are just plain tired. I watch women, they're worn out, trying to hold that emotional wave of that fountain. It's like it comes up, they get bumped on that wound. It's like, oh, there it is again. And you're trying all your life to hold in so that no one knows that, that, that underneath you are this fountain ready to explode. But you want to look like you got it all together. And someone says something, or you watch a video like we just watched, and it goes, whoa, whoa, let's push that down. You must let it out. You must go have a good cry. Stand in the shower, get by yourself, and just say, God, heal me. And let it out and say, I am tired of fighting this person that I'm really not, this plastic person that people think I am. I want free. And you got to get free by repenting and let the emotions out. You might get angry in the shower. Go there by yourself. Let it out. Fifthly, you must forgive those that hurt you. Oh, I got to do that, Pastor Jim. Yeah, you can't get halfway through here and not get, if you don't want healing, then just stay in your wound. Go ahead and put it on the rest of your life. Walk around. For some reason, you want to do that. I don't understand. You must forgive those that have hurt you. Otherwise, bitterness and resentment, it'll crush you until you forgive them. They remain a prisoner in your head. Think about that. It's like, they're always there. 
You give them rent-free space to live the rest of your life until you forgive them. Seriously. I'm not letting anybody who's wronged me with sin get rent-free space in my head. Now, that's a scary thought anybody get in my head, but I'm not giving them a chance. Way too many people let other people live rent-free in their head. Don't wait to forgive until you don't feel like forgiving. It's a choice and not a feeling. No more free rides for people who have hurt you. No more free rides. Can you just say no more free rides? Ask him next to defeat Satan in the areas of where he has a foothold. So it manifested itself because you've been doing this. So you say, God, defeat Satan with my doubt. Defeat Satan and let me have victory over depression. Defeat Satan with my overeating. Defeat Satan with my need and my need to pull away. Defeat Satan with my shame and addiction that he brings upon me. God, just go do what you're good at. Kick Satan's butt one good time. And lastly, let God the Father just love you. Now listen, this has nothing to do with your dad from your past. This has something to do with the God today. Let him be your father, God. Jeremiah 31, 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Imagine going to a father, God, you've thrown away your first aid kit and you're standing before God free and say, I will let you love me. My view of God will not be determined by my past. I will let it be determined by what scripture says and I believe it. Live in victory. This woman left in peace. The guests began to say amongst themselves, in verse 49, who is, who is this man who forgives sins? And Jesus said, the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She came in anxiousness and she left in peace. They walked into Grace Community Church in anxiousness and, and bandages on Sunday morning. And they left in peace and they were, whoa, free. When you do this, the real you will surface. The real personality that's underneath all this garbage in your life. will surface. But for most, a personality is a mosaic of the choices of self-protection. Some of you women have yet to be the woman in the personality that God has called you to be. You're living this self-protective woman. It's like this personality, you've just adapted because of your past and these wounds. And so, listen, I love when I see freedom come. You can see women just literally transform when they stop trying to hold the world together by themselves. And all of a sudden, they give it over and they expose their wounds and God heals them. It's like, whoa, who's that woman? You come alive in your marriage. You come alive in the workplace. You come alive in school. It's like a completely different person because the real you finally got out and it left the bandages of the past. Don't you want to be that woman, ladies? Our world needs you badly more than ever. Our world needs to see healthy, confident women who have been given the gift of nurturing and you can go to your communities and you can nurture some kids who don't have mommies and daddies. You don't have to be a mother to nurture. If you're a woman, you have nurturing in you. You're one step away from freedom. So, is this how you choose to live? Don't choose this. Father God, help us today. Help us to live in such a way 
that reflects who we are in you. God, I pray in this moment for the ladies in this room. Oh, God. Right now, I know that Satan is speaking. He's feeding them some lies and saying that, uh, well, you've done this before and nothing changed. God, I pray for sustained healing. I pray in this moment, Spirit, that you would move here in the main and the link. I ask Jesus that there would be victory. There would be peace. And that the real person that you've created these women to be would flourish and bust out of them instead of this mosaic of self-protection. Ladies, listen to me as we pray. In order to find healing, you got to go for broke. You got to run through your fears right now, just like this lady did. It doesn't matter what the person beside you thinks. It doesn't matter what the person behind you thinks. It doesn't matter to the man who wants you to sit in the seat thinks. If you want healing from your wounds, find victory. I'm going to ask you to expose yourselves and to come forward as we, this song is sung. If that's you, just, just come. Come to the front. Say, I want healing today. I want more than rescue. I want healing. God, I pray for all those people who want to judge, convict them. Listen, you want freedom? Or are you going to walk away in wounds? Just come. Don't fight it. Don't fight it. That's what you're always good at. It. Right now, some of you are pushing it down. You're suppressing and you're pushing. Let it out. God, I pray that women will come as we sing this song. And we hear the truth of the words of this song. And I pray that women would live in victory. God, please, in Jesus' name, amen.